Welcome to the Conscious Relationship uh, Uncoupling and Parenting Summit. It's me, Lucia Gabriela, your host and producer. And today we have an amazing speaker with us, which she is so much full of joy, fun, and ecstasy. And like, I love her so much. She's so cool. So, <laughs> her name is Anita Teresa Boeninger. And she is an integrative sexuality educator and founder of the Groundbreaking Sex and Medicine Summit. She spent 10 years training with renowned masters in, of various mind-body traditions and has been working in the field of alternative healing since 1999. <laughs> she has appeared on the Dr. Oz show, BET, and has been interviewed on Dr. Radio, News 12, and Jay, that New Jersey, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, your beautiful child radio, and many others sharing her expertise on vit vitalizing practices and sexual well-being. She presented alongside physicians at the biannual Heal Thy Practice Conference, the East Meets West Medicine Fest, and served as an expert panelist for the Queen County Lawyers Wellness Program, the Hungarian Consult and women's retreat in Negril, Jamaica, and others. <laughs> so welcome, let's welcome Anita into our summit. Thank you, Anita, for saying yes to this and having this passion of sharing your wisdom with our audience today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Yay. So in our journey, we would like to uh, explore with you and ask you this question, like how do you start on this journey of conscious relating and also sexuality? Mm. I think it began when I was um, going to church back when I was an adolescent. And I noticed that for, for some reason, when I went to church, that that was the most erotic place for me. <laughs> It's where I had the most erotic fantasies. It's where I felt the most turned on and alive. And um, I was raised in the charismatic Christian tradition where there's a lot of expression, there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of passion. People at the altar crying, falling over, speaking in tongues. And what I realized many years later, having gone through a huge long inquiry around spirituality and religion and studying everything I could get my hands on, is that there really was a connection between spirituality and sexuality that there never there never was a separation to begin with but only in our minds or only in the dogmas that have been handed down through uh, more more recent religions so it's it was always there and i always felt very ecstatic and devotional in the way that i related to god and jesus and and then that just sort of expanded over the years into inquiry into Tantra and Taoism and other spiritual traditions and deeply inquiring in my own experiences, having initiations with different masters and with different lovers and, and just beautiful experiences that led me deeper into that connection between Eros and spirit. And then I started working in a hospital setting um, with surgical patients and with all sorts of different people healing from surgery or from illness and I saw that pleasure was a really key foundational aspect in healing pain 
reducing pain and um, facilitating healing. So as I was teaching dance and yoga and different beautiful practices in the hospital with women with chronic illness, I found, oh my God, you could see in their faces when they opened up to their sensuality that it was healing, that they wouldn't feel pain, that they would be in ecstasy. And they, some of them were in wheelchairs. Some of them could barely move their bodies. But going into that state of, of trance, of spiritual trance, ecstatic trance, was fundamentally healing. So that has taken me to many places where I've brought the message of pleasure and sensuality, our healing forces, our medicines. And that's how I ended up creating the Sex and Medicine Summit, was to bridge the world of health and wellness with the knowledge around the sexual arts, sexual healing paths like, like Tantra and Taoism. Mm. Mm, yummy. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to be learning uh, from Anita the topic of the seven levels of Eros, the royal tantra approach to love, sex, and marriage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So okay. let's do this. Let's get into your amazing presentations and hey. see you for questions and answers after that. So I'm going to speak today about something that's quite out of the ordinary, um, which you probably haven't heard much before about, but it's from the tradition of Royal Tantra, a branch of Tantra that has to do with the art of relationships. And specifically today, I'm going to speak about the seven levels of Eros, the, the Royal Tantric approach to love, sex, and marriage. And this is beautiful knowledge that I was given through a, a school that I studied with and two masters of feminine wisdom and royal tantra. So I'm really honored to, to be able to share this today because it was given to me by um, verbal transmission. This is not something you can read in a book or find in a yoga studio. And it's very special. So basically in earlier days when there was a royal class, which I guess you could still say exists today in different ways. Um, there were people that had the desire to actualize themselves beyond just the normal, you know, ordinary default levels of having a home and having, um, having children. And they wanted to go as far as possible into the path of self-actualization. And so they used, I mean, there was already existing many spiritual traditions like yoga and um, there was a whole backdrop to what gave birth to Royal Tantra. But basically what they discovered is a pathway to marry at all seven levels of our being. And you've probably heard of the chakra system. That's corresponding to seven different aspects of ourselves. Also, physiologically, different neural plexuses in our body, different qualities that we have. So this specific teaching is for people that are interested in relationship as a vehicle for self-transformation, for self-exploration, for the dynamics of using the relationship as a catalyst for your own realization. And it's a beautiful way to think about how we can evolve our current notion of marriage beyond what it 
what our standard default model is in our current time and to see marriage as something that is sacred as a vehicle for transformation and growth. So I'm going to go through each of these chakra centers and speak about what it looks like to have marriage at each center. So we're going to start from this one, the marriage at the root, the base level. This is when two people share a, a physical dwelling. They share a home. They are connected through a sort of in a tribal level. They, maybe they have family in common or they, you know, they, their families have come together. Um, so it's very practical. It's very material. It's very here and now. It's just simple. You know, marriage at this level is a man or a woman or two people dwelling together, sharing, sharing a home together, which is what most people do when they get married. They share a home together. The second level is at the sexual center, Svadhisthana, which is the seat of sexual energy. It's what we think of by default as um, when two people are together, they're going to have a sexual connection. It's not necessarily always going to be the case. So why, because why are there so many sex therapists and sex coaches and columns and books and books about, about sex? It's because there, this is an area of life where there is a lot of confusion and questioning and suffering, unfortunately. And, and many married couples actually aren't having sex or they aren't having fulfilling sex. So when there's real marriage at this level, there is consistent life force moving through. There's arrows moving through this center that both people have fully open. With, with the chakra system, many of you probably have heard of the notion of um, you have an open chakra or you have a blocked one. But there's actually three states that a chakra can be in. It can be closed, it can be open but blocked, and it can be emanating. So the, the ideal state is when it's emanating, when there's life force moving through, there's arrows moving through these aspects of yourself, these qualities of yourself, both on the physiological level and also at the level of the, the qualities, the more in the invisible aspect, um, the, the qualitative aspect. So with the sexual, if you're married, married at the sexual center, according to this tradition, this is fully open and, and fully emanating. Both of you have a full exchange of sexual energy. Marriage then at the will. So the third chakra is known as the Manipura or the, the will center, our center of personal power, it's where career is generated. It's where money is generated. It's where we have confidence. We have uh, self-worth, all of those things. The will to thrive, the will to power, the will to act and do things. And so as a um, married couple or as two partners coming together at this center, it's when two people have aligned their will, they both want the same thing. They both are moving in the same direction and perhaps they're both in action around the building of what they desire together. So that could be also building a business together. That could look like building a real home together. So in, this is a little different from just marriage at the root, the mulhadara, where it's you share physical resources. Here you're sharing 
more, it's moving more in the direction of purpose. So when two people are married at the will, they share an extremely powerful bond. And some say that it's even stronger than the sexual bond. The will, marriage at the will can also, a similar type of bond is like two warriors going into battle together. The bond between brothers is extremely powerful. People will say returning from war that the only reason they made it through the war was because they were fighting for their, their fellow soldier. They, they only lived to die or you know, died to live or lived to die for their fellow brother or sister on the battlefield. And that kind of, that's the fullest expression of the will center, the Manipura chakra is being willing to die for someone that you love. So it's a very, very strong connection. Also, when, when a, um, a man and a woman, let's say, work together, they're not married, but they work at you know, their job together and they go through a lot of challenges together and they develop that bond. It's just a warrior bond. It's a bond of two people working toward a common goal. Sometimes I can create jealousy and this is the cause of many, many affairs that happen because two people on the job fall in love. And why is that? Is it really because they're sexually attracted to each other and that's their main connection? Or is it because they're sharing really valuable, really significant experiences? They're spending so many hours per day with that other person building something in common. So that's, that's a very deeply bonding experience to have. So if you're noticing that your partner is bonding with someone else through that center, there are ways that you can, you can also build together. You can find ways to build your home together, to build your sexual bond together. And to, we'll go on to the other centers as, as well and talk further about this. But something to be aware of. Um, people even use the term my, my work husband, my work wife. Why is that? Because the bond is so strong, it's like marriage. When you go into business with someone, you're practically getting married to them. So we, we know this sort of um, unconsciously, but to bring it into very conscious, deliberate awareness is an asset because then you can know, oh, how do I navigate this? How do I cultivate more of this will in myself and, and be able to align that with my partner? Where are we aligned or where are we not aligned? And what can we build together to make our bonds stronger? So many people, I would say probably 80 to 90% of people are married at the first three levels or first two. Common, commonly, most marriages that we see are marriages of the first and second chakra. When you are married to the second chakra, another aspect of that is having children. That's another expression of, of that marriage. Once the children are gone or once you're your home life and your, your sexual bond have been exhausted, right? We see this many, many times, then the marriage is over. The marriage dies. There's nothing further to keep it alive unless you're able to build something together. If you can continue to graduate and evolve the marriage into more and more centers of expression, you'll have a stronger marriage. You'll have something that will last for a lifetime. Now going into the marriage of the heart, anahata. Many people believe that they love their partner or they're in love with their partner. But marriage of the heart is a very special kind of, of marriage, a special kind of love. It has to do more with compassion. You may think you love your partner, but 
sometimes we get frustrated, we get impatient, uh, we lack grace with our partner. And so marriage at the heart is a call to more compassion. It's a call to deeper patience. It's grace. It's having grace. It's, we, all, we all mess up. We all do things that are irritating to each other. We all need to extend that grace to one another. So marriage at the heart is really a marriage of you, with you within yourself being more and more compassionate, increasingly compassionate, and showing that same compassion to your partner. That kind of marriage is extraordinary, and it's actually quite rare. According to the teachings, very few people, only you know, a small percentage of people actually achieve marriage at the heart level. Why is that? Because we let resentment come in, we let doubts come in, we let fears come in. And if you're committed to this path of Royal Tantra, you're committed to the path of self-actualization, it's a committed path of the heart ultimately, of awakening the heart, of going deeper into the heart, of being realized at the level of um, grace and finding out through thick and thin, enduring through difficult times and in standing by and committing. And these sound like very cliche things, but over time that if you can find the deeper aspects where more things are refined, more of the, um, the old wounds get healed, the longer you stay in the game. It's a chance for you to heal as opposed to become more hurt. There's, of course, a lot more we could say about all of these, but this is really an introduction to the path of Royal Tantra. So marriage, what does marriage look like at the center of the Vishuddha chakra, the throat chakra known as expression center, where we speak our truth, where we express our unique gifts and talents, where we express our creativity in the world, where we have vision, we have inspiration. So it's also known as the inspiration center. When two people are married at the center, it's noticeable, it's remarkable, it's something that everyone wants to be around. It's like Bono, and uh, it's sorry, not Bono, it's like, um, I'm not sure why I'm blinking out, Yoko Ono and I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of the other, of the Beatle. You know what I'm saying. Um, I <laughs> keep thinking Bono, I'm like, no. Um, but it's like two very creative people coming together and aligning their, cre their creative vision. Um, you, you know, this is um, the level of the priest and the priestess. This is the level of the artisan and the, the muse. So I think of another famous couple like Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo. They both were extraordinary artists. They, they were married at the practical levels and they were also married at the level of, of the Vishuddha, the expression in life and big vision and together they were more than they were individually. So it's interesting how they also applied certain royal tantric principles intuitively in their marriage. For example, they lived in a house that was that had two separate wings. So there was a west wing and an east wing and they were it was connected by a bridge. And I've been to their house, so I saw the this bridge and basically they could one, you know, Diego lived on one, one wing and Frida, Frida lived on the other wing. And they would knock on a door in the middle of this bridge and, and ask to see each other. 
So they didn't live together all the time. They weren't constantly in each other's presence. And there are those couples that are inseparable who want to be together all the time, every single day, day in and day out. And according to the Royal Tantric system, it's advisable to, to have some space, to have some, some distance, to have times where you remove yourself from each other's presence so you cultivate polarity. So you, you bring an opportunity for there to be more magnetism. And that keeps the arrows alive. That keeps the a little bit of that mystery and that flow going. And this also nourishes the marriage at all levels, but especially at the expression center. Because we all know if you're artistic and you have a vision, you're creative, you're a creator, you need some time to be with yourself. You need some time to withdraw from the world and just be in your own world and, and kind of luxuriate in that world. And women need time to self for self-care. You need time to nourish your sexual energy, to take ritual baths, to do breast massage, to go to the spa, to get a foot massage, to use scented oils, all these sorts of things nourish the, the sexual center and the expression center. And that allows this, this movement of arrows through the marriage at all levels to highly recommend finding your way to self-care practice. And for women listening, I teach many different practices for women to nourish sexual energy and to replenish and expand that energy through all of their, their whole system and become more magnetic and become more vital. So marriage at the Expression Center, another, another way this could look is um, two people who are leaders or visionaries. And you know what I just realized? I, I left one one chakra out on this slide. So the one that's missing is the third eye, probably one of the most famous that everyone knows about, the Ajna chakra. Marriage at the Ajna. So it's the sixth, or considered the sixth most important um, chakra here in this system. Marriage at the Ajna is very interesting. It's, it's like the ruler. It's the judge. It's the two people who are leaders together leading a company, leading a movement. I would say Michelle and Barack Obama have that kind of a, uh, a marriage where they're both leading together. They have the same vision. Um, it's very much about vision. It's very much about the, uh, the visionary healer, the visionary leader. So marriage at this level is, is quite extraordinary. In the past, throughout many civilizations, people would be married at this level but wouldn't be married at other levels. So they would be, you know, political marriages. They would be the king married to the daughter of some other king, and you know, this was a political advantage for for this this kingdom. What we see here is a desire to marry at all levels, including the the leadership. And now the leadership can look any way. It doesn't mean you have to be president of a country or king or whatever. It could mean that you're just leading your life. You're a teacher, and you're or a principal, or you're a vice president of something, but leading together where, in this case, the, the feminine energy moves in intuition, moves through inspiration, and the masculine energy moves through insight and intellect. And the two together as faculties work in a very powerful, complementary, and synergistic way. So Royal Tantra goes into also the relationships between each chakra. 
there are three primary feminine and three primary masculine chakras. And ideally, we cultivate all of these inside of ourselves so that we can have an incredible synergy with whomever we're partnering with. But for Ajna, it's marriage at, at the level of, of leadership and vision. And then the last type of marriage is at the crown, Sahasrara, which is androgynous in a way. It's beyond quote-unquote earthly marriage. So it's the marriage of two saints. <laughs> you could say like uh, St. Francis of Assisi and um, Claire. Um, Claire, I can't remember what town. She's known as Claire of something. <laughs> But the two of them were very famous for their, they were sort of in a consort relationship. There's also many examples of this kind of, you know, St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila, similar, or even Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Um, marriage at the crown, meaning this divine, um, divine consortship, a, uh, the, the marriage of being with the beloved and for the purpose of spiritual revelation, the spiritual expansion. So many who've explored Tantra may have had experiences of initiation that brought them to a new height or new, gave them deeper insight into their own spiritual journey. And that's, that's often what we associate with Tantra, but truly Tantra can be applied in so many aspects of our life as we're seeing through the Royal Tantra system. So that pretty much gives you a good idea of how this path works, what marriage looks like at each level. And um, of course, there are many more details, there are many more specifics. And if you're interested in learning more, please get in touch. Um, I am, as Lucia said, the founder of the Sex and Medicine Summit. We do a lot of different programs, and I also do private work with people. So if you're interested in learning more about um, Royal Tantra or Taoism or practices you can do in the morning for more vitality, if you would like some one-on-one -on -one personalized coaching and guidance around your particular situation, I work with many different people who struggle with shame, with blocks, with childhood trauma, all sorts of things. And it's my pleasure to assist people as they transform through the process of integration of sexuality, really embracing our sexuality, really loving our bodies, really feeling that wellness and that wholeness on all levels, including sexuality. So you can find me at sexmedsummit.com. That's S-E-X-M-E-D summit.com. And I do have an option there for um, booking a private consult with me or booking a session. So please check that out on the book booking or book now um, tab. So thank you so much. That was incredible. I am so, wow, I learned, learned more. I'm excited when I learn more every day. I was that aware of this, uh, the levels of marriage. It's like, it was it's just beautiful. Like, you know, you, I, I think I heard it one time, but I never really saw it, like, in a presentation mm -hmm. like this, which, which you made it very nice, beautiful, and juicy. And mm -hmm. also, I was able to understand it. Um, I love when I can understand things very easily. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, so from what you were sharing, the first thing that I would like you to explain a little bit of it is um, the way that it had been passed uh, the knowledge, you know, from like the verbal, the, the gathering of people together and sharing the verbal uh, knowledge of these uh, of, of this wisdom. So can you expand a little bit more about that for some people that they have no idea of why we cannot find this in books or mm. uh, people have now, you know, we don't have an ancient script and things like that. Yeah, I mean, most many things were passed down orally or they were passed down through secret societies. You know, like a lot of the esoteric teachings, the sort of inner teachings of um, Tantra and Taoism are still very secretive. And as Westerners, there's, it's hard to know exactly all what we're missing out on. Because we don't know, we don't know, we don't know what we're missing until someone comes along and says, oh, there's this knowledge, let me share it with you. I do think it does appear that more and more of the teachings are coming out into the world because it's so needed right now. Um, the teachers that I learned from were actually, one of them was based in Russia. She was from Siberia and she had spent 10 years training with a guru and they had a, a, a very out of the way ashram in the middle of the Altai mountains in Central Asia. So it was extremely out of the way, something I never would have found out about unless I, she had come to New York and she was here for a brief time, like three years, and I trained with her at that time. And the other teacher is from Brazil, and she was part of that same school. Uh, she now has a school, her own school in Sao Paulo. She's a master of feminine art and knowledge and, and wisdom teachings from all over the world. And I was just really fortunate to find these teachers and have access to them. And most of these teachings, again, you can't find in a book. Um, they're, they're the very esoteric inner teachings of these disciplines and uh, don't ask me how I found them but <laughs> I feel really fortunate to have experienced that and I do want to credit my wonderful teacher Maria Soledad who gave me the many of the feminine knowledge teachings mm, beautiful and and also when we're talking about sharing the wisdom of Tantra and this energy you know when we come to the aspect of being esoteric, like there is one of the things that you cannot get in a book and is the, the interaction and the energy and actually the multidimensional dynamic that's happening when we learn from each other, uh, when we learn from like face to face, being in person, because uh, our energies that connect in are, you know, auras are merging in some levels. Our energy are playing together, and so many parts of ourselves are opening up, and and we're just exchanging, like we're sharing, we we having. It's a multi-rich uh, way of of learning. So I totally. You know, resonate with that, and for some of the audience and uh, of people who is following the summit, um, you know, they always wonder. Some people wonder why they not put it on a book. Like, you know, I can get it, and we know, right? Like, some so many people come to us like, well, I read these ten books of tantra, <laughs> <laughs> I still don't get it, <laughs> and we're yeah. like, 
Yes, the book is, you know, as much as we desire to share in detail, we can't. It's something that we need to experience. And what I love about this summit uh, is that the reason why we wanted to make it like uh, multi-sensory in so many ways is because we can feel your energy, we can uh, we can feel the energy of each other, and and I believe because we're living in this beautiful technology that this energy is just transmitting, and yeah, I just feel like it, it was it was it was a great way to pass it on these beautiful royal teachings that you have shared with us. So when. I was surprised when you mentioned uh, when you talk about um, when you said that um, when I hear saying <laughs> the aspect of the third chakra, mm-hmm. the marriage at the will center, mm-hmm. it makes so much sense. I was like, yeah, this makes so much yeah. sense, and it was just you know like when you mentioned that. Um, that a lot of people, you know, marry in the first and second chakra and still have miserable marriages. Like they are not, they, mm-hmm. they still have couples that uh, you feel like one person feels more, um, you know, uh, at work. They feel more yeah. uh, connected with the people that they work with. They feel more like attracted to that. Yeah. So it kind of like it really um, hit home at so many levels because it's just it was just interesting for me to really uh, understand that and also to the one at the we're talking about the expression center so i would like i would like you to um maybe provide some kind of like exercise or um a tool strategy that people can build uh these centers with their partners um, because I feel like these centers are the ones that a lot of people have hard time with. Sure. So if you can you can share like one of each for the third, you know, third center, the marriage with the will center, and also the marriage with the expression center. Mm. It will be beautiful and helpful yeah. for our audience. Yeah, I think you know people often use the term "build." We're building our life together. We're building a home together, but then. So many people are busy and they're, they're spending most of their time working. And so they're not really there to build anything with their, with their partner. So you have to be there. You know, you have to prioritize being there so there is something to build. What is it that you, that you want? You know, there, there may be like a specific way you can create a check-in or a weekly, like here, wh- where are we on track for what we want? What's our vision for our own partnership and the life that we're building together. One example is my, I was just recently with my aunt and uncle. Uh, They have a beautiful farm in California and uh, my aunt is very organized and she, they have a lot of ideas for things they want to do on their farm. They want to bring people there for retreats and so forth. And so she created a whole bunch of lists of their visions and their ideas and things that they want to accomplish. And she put it all up in their kitchen and something that simple, now they both refer to it all the time and it, it, it excites them. You know, it's something they're moving toward. Like, oh, we may not get to it today, but we're both working on it together. And 
it's not everybody lives on a farm with their spouse. <laughs> so it's not, not necessarily going to be that way, but as simple as going shopping together. I mean, these little mundane things actually add up to a lifetime of, you know, you're building something. If you're always gone and you're always building something else, what's happening to your home? What's happening to your life together? It's a matter of prioritizing. And then for the throat chocolate to the expression center, like I had mentioned when I was going through it is it's really important to cultivate space right for yourself. And for the, the second chakra and the, and the throat are actually connected. So one example is like when you hear Michael Jackson singing, he's singing with a lot of um, sexual energy. There's tremendous verve. There's tremendous magnetism. But it's coming out, it's, it's being expressed literally through his voice. It's also his whole body. So he's an, ex he's an example of a, uh, someone who's fully open and emanating from both the throat and the sexual center, who in his lifetime, you know, he gave fully through that, that unique self-expression. He was himself. He didn't try to be, you know, like some other pop star. He was, he was his own icon. So it's becoming your own icon. You can't really become your own icon if you don't really know yourself. If you're not spending time, quality time with yourself, and you, if you're a creative, to give space to create, um, whether that's in your home or going on a retreat somewhere, extremely important because that feeds the, the relationship. That's food. Your own creative life is food for the relationship too. But if you're dried up creatively, that's, it's going to lead to resentment. Hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. This is something that I'm already doing. Like I have a schedule uh, with my family that I have um, these days I spend time with my partner. You know, like we together, cuddle, sleep, whatever, be intimate. And there are days, especially when I have to work next day or I have to create something, I need my space to recharge. And that's something that I, like, my daughter knows it, my partner knows it. Like, I love them so much. I, you know, I am with them all the time, but I do need my space. Like, I make sure that I am, like, vocal about it. Like, this is my time. This is the day I spend time with you, with you, with you. <laughs> and you leave me alone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Beautiful. So I is, um, I really got, um, one of the things I learned from, from you today well, I learned a lot, but one of the things that awakened me a little more was you mentioned the aspect of the chakras, the aspect of like we have an open chakra, a closed chakra, and also an emanating chakra, mm -hmm. you know, and so how does, um, what's the difference between the open and the emanating one? Open is, is just open. I mean, it's like an open door, right? But emanating is when things are moving through. There's energy moving through. There's a experience. What you experience on the other end of that is presence. Experience that in someone's presence. So just like if you're emanating negative emotion, you know, you feel it. It's very palpable. If someone's in a state of fright or rage, you feel that. So it's in a sense emanating. But you know, in, in this in this other. Uh, in the in the system of the chakras, when you're emanating from an open heart, for example, there's an emanation of compassion. Like you're in the presence of the Dalai Lama, you're going to feel that emanation of love and compassion. 
So that's an example. You know, it's one thing if it's open, but here this like light is streaming through it. It's like this whole uh, waterfall is rushing through through you of energy, and everyone can feel around the power of that waterfall. Exactly. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yes, it was beautiful, delightful. I personally learned more things, and I really honor you. And thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. This has been lovely. Awesome. So, how can we find you again? You can find me online. I mean, I'm very active on Facebook for anyone who wants to friend me or find me on Facebook, Anita Teresa. And then our website is sexmedsummit.com. And that's the best way at this point. Yeah. Awesome. So I thank you so much. I appreciate you for being here. And also we appreciate you, our audience, for listening today, tuning in today, and learning with us together about conscious relationship, uncoupling, and parenting. So we'll see you in our next episode. Have a great day.